Welcome to episode 119 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. We are coming to you after uh, yet another failure to secure a playoff win in the kind of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Bo Bichette era. It is a, uh, I don't know, a furious environment out there on Twitter as we record this. And it's understandable, right? This is a Blue Jays team that all year did a really good job of keeping other teams under wraps. And they did that today with the exception of Royce Lewis. And the offense was unable to create. So what are your sort of first thoughts coming off this game that, yeah, I mean, I again, it it kind of, it has the feeling of a lot of what people didn't like about this team. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's my first thought is that it felt like a lot of, uh, a lot of Blue Jays games. I mean, maybe not the same sort of uh, uh, baseball run, or base running gaff uh, that we'll probably talk about a little bit, though I don't know, you know, there are, there are so many things, you know, you pay to so much more attention than uh, in these games than you do. Uh, regular season ones or, or it demands of you that you do. And so, um, yeah, there are all sorts of little moments where things could have gone a different way, uh, but didn't, it was a close fought game. I think, I don't think that it was, you know, reflected too badly on these Toronto blue Jays, but also obviously a very frustrating one. One that makes me wonder, you know, are they doing enough to make sure that Kevin Gossman isn't tipping his pitches? The twins thing is very weird. Um, and obviously, uh, the hitting has just been so up and down, so inconsistent, and it's been better than people think. The runners in scoring position thing has been better for longer than people think, um, but I can't blame anyone for feeling that this was much like uh, a lot of games they've seen. Yeah, and I don't know. I I understand. You know, I like I you know I look at sort of my personal group messages and things I see on Twitter. And it's just this notion like this team is junk. They can't do it. Here's another example of how they can't do it. And I can't quite go to that place. And like I've been willing to go to some unreasonable places. Like we all recall what happened with the Ranger series. But I can't go to that place in a game where like one foot of Matt Chapman ball, like going one foot further or I don't know how many exact feet, but you know what I mean? Like I think he could have jumped a little bit, uh, extended his arm a little bit, but nonetheless, I do know what you mean. Yeah. Like that's the difference in the game. You know, the Bichette thing, it was, you know, it was a bad risk to take realistically. And you and know, also a good play from Correa. A like, good play from Correa. Yeah. But Correa is a platinum <laughs> glove guy. Like he, plays, yeah. He's not someone you want to fuck with. I also think that Bo Bichette doesn't know he's slow. Like at this right. point, he's had below average speed all year long. Like there's a reason, you know, he used to steal 25 bases. Did you uh, write about this in like the winter maybe? Somebody did. I yeah, I mean, think it's it's been in <laughs> decline for a couple of years. But this year, you know, it's been bad. And he... You know, he doesn't run well right now. And he's coming off the a knee injury too, right? Like this is a slower version of a guy who has not run well all year, running on the arm of a guy who is one of the best and most precise fielders in the game. And also you have to think about what the alternative is, right? Like if he holds up, you have a bases loaded situation in a game that you're trying to get kind of multiple runs to claw back into, like the singular run there if he comes in, isn't, obviously it's important. Every run in these type of games is important, but it's not that. Important enough for that. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. It, it, it kind of reminds me of the time when Brett Laurie tried to steal home with Jose Bautista at the plate. Like it's not the same situation as that, but it's <laughs> the same sort of 
feeling as that where it's like, yeah, if you had pulled that off, that would have been cool, I guess. But what you're giving up to take that risk is just silly. And it, you know, that's a tough moment in the game. The Chapman thing is a tough moment in the game. They had quite a few hits that were good contact or you thought they might fall in. And, you know, you can kind of even look at, you know, their expected batting average in this game is 277. Like it's not, again, it's not like they mashed the ball around. It's not like they deserve to score seven runs in this game. They didn't hit particularly well. And if anything, uh, and I'm going to write about this later, they didn't hit hittable pitches. Like they had, there was a lot of pitches that were thrown to them that you could have done something with and they didn't do it. So it's hard for me to stand here and say, you know what? The offense was great and they had some tough breaks and it's fine. But you know what? Like, I think they sort of hit well enough to score three runs, if that makes sense. And and you know what? Scoring three runs is kind of shitty, you know, and it, it shouldn't necessarily be <laughs> yeah. enough to win a game. But if we're talking about sort of the difference between one run and three runs being the difference in this ball game, I do find the argument they're like, oh, this these guys like never could have won. They're just losers, like classic Blue Jays. They're trash. Like they they legitimately had some tough breaks in this game. Again, that the ceiling for what this could have been was not super high, but it was higher than one run and. I I just I'm inclined to believe people sort of see what they want to see, you know, confirmation bias kind of runs wild and you know, it would have been helpful to hit some some home runs like Chapman almost did, right? Like that's that was a big talking point entering the series is that in the playoffs home runs tend to win ball games um because it's tough to get those rallies against good pitchers and the Twins hit home runs and the Blue Jays don't really hit home runs and lo and behold that's the difference in game 1. I think that that's right. And, I, you know, I had a lot of discourse or at least a little bit of discourse on Twitter about, you know, the runners in scoring position thing, because as I said earlier, you know, that's not, they haven't been that team for quite some time, actually, surprisingly, if you start looking at the overall numbers of the numbers from the last three months or two months in particular. Um, but ultimately, the problem with this team is that it doesn't hit home runs. And those runners in scoring position numbers, you know, I think it was Atlanta that had terrible running runners in scoring position numbers for a while at the start of the year. And it didn't matter because they're hitting home runs. And that's, uh, that's really the big thing that this team has missed. The Chapman thing for sure. Springer hit one that was pretty good. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it wasn't like watching them get carved by Michael King or Jared Cole last week. There were, there were pitches to hit. There were pitches they made nice contact on. Um, didn't feel like that in the eighth when they really had a chance with Biggio and, and Bichette, um, after Vladdy's leadoff double. I mean, that Bichette striker was brutal. And again, I don't want to harp on him in particular because he actually had a pretty good day offensively other than the uh, <laughs> the, than the incident, uh, yeah. as we known. But that was a tough at bat. And again, you don't want to drill too de- deep on that. But you kind of felt, like you said, the eighth was that was the opportunity, right? You got a leadoff double on base. You're chasing by two. You know the guy who's going to be coming out uh, in the ninth inning. And he, yeah, he's a scary looking dude. A hundred percent. And he, he proved to be that, even though they did, you know, get a chance, they got the time run to the plate, which, you know what, maybe in May, that's some consolation, but I don't think that it matters right now. Uh, but the, the, the eighth inning was definitely interesting to me. I don't like to drill too much into, you know, individual plate appearances. It's so hard to know what anybody's looking for, what those pitches appear to be at the plate and all that stuff. I, the, it, it 
it does drive me a bit nuts the way that people react to like, oh, that, I mean, it was a terrible at bat. It looked awful. It, it, he and the did not give himself a chance. The sweeper is tough, man. Like, there's a reason he throws that like 50% of the time. Like, that's how, what he's been making his money on all season. Lots of 100%. guys have had that. And you got you to gotta be better than that to be, you know, a champion in the big leagues, obviously. <laughs> but that, but I, I have much sympathy. I'm not one of those people who wants to be out there being like, terrible process, terrible. You know, if the results are, are bad, then therefore it was a terrible at bat. Because it was three pitches or however many pitches it was. Uh, I think it's more complex than that. Nonetheless, uh, ugly inning, not great. Uh, tough day all over. Uh, the Bichette thing, you know, to go back to the incident, I don't want to dwell on it too much. But, you know, if we were podcasters of a different type, I feel we would, we would be talking about, you know, the how he's kept the plan with his hair on fire thing in check for, uh, for quite some time. And then here it is in another huge game where it kind of comes out in a bad way. Um, which wouldn't surprise me if, if the uh, the the people with the takes out there, you know, end up landing on that when they start dissecting this one. Um, but there's there's a lot to dissect. You know, the they we talked about on our last podcast just the other night uh, the way that the Jays kind of looked like they set themselves up to try to go and, and get this matchup with the Twins, and uh, it doesn't feel like a great idea once you remember that Kevin Gosman pitches like that, and then that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the takes, and and Gosman is going to be the recipient of some takes. Now, it is true that the that the Twins have had success against him, but like at the end of the day, are you gonna? You know, he's been a top five type of Cy Young guy. Probably he should have got more Cy Young votes last year. He'll be around there this time around. Like, are you going to say, "Ooh, those two outings against the Twins were kind of scary"? I'm going to forget the other thirty starts he made where he was clearly an ace level pitcher. Like, you were going to pitch him in this series and it you know it sucks that that's kind of the result for the team and i know that he wasn't spectacular in the playoffs last year what's interesting is that you're gonna get a lot of takes about these guys and how they perform in the playoffs and at this point like i don't really have time for it because they haven't (laughs) played enough in the playoffs now the reason they haven't played enough in the playoffs is because they haven't won a damn game i can accept that as a premise but if you're going to tell me, for instance, I saw some people linking, you know, Bo Bichette's uh, incident running to home with him running out to center field last year and having that disastrous play with Springer. And, you know, he's overzealous and this is the problem with him as a player. And, you know, in a big moment, he's going to try too hard or whatever. Uh, it's just like, that's two games. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, if this team had made has made some runs, for instance, I don't know. I, I I don't even know how much it would take for me to feel confident one way or the other. But like, let's say this had kind of like the 2015, 2016 team. Like, if they had made multiple ALCS runs and certain players had established certain patterns, like Gosman really had struggled through all those playoffs in sort of a Kershaw like way, or this these type of things kept coming up for Bichette. It would be understandable to say, you know what, like these guys, there's something about this atmosphere. Even then, like sometimes it can be dicey to say that, but like you I, could. Well, I mean, this, what, the smartest team in the league or one of them, the Dodgers, keep going going with Kershaw or kept going with Kershaw or, or whatever it is um, for years after that reputation. You know, David Price had that reputation for a long time. Like, yeah. to stop. That's not what you do. No, yeah. you, you lean on the players who are good. Like at the end of the day, you look at who's good. And sometimes when there is, you know, there's some kind of matchup data, there's some kind of factor in a small sample size. Like I wrote today about the Barrios Bassett thing. And we kind of touched on the last episode, but I hadn't really dove deep on it yet. 
And I came away feeling like, you know what, this is sort of a toss-up and all these little factors are kind of leading me to Barrios. So I think Barrios is actually the right call here. But it has to be a toss-up first, right? Like if it, if it was between mm. Gosman and Barrios and it was like, oh, Gosman, Barrios, well, Barrios has had more success against these Twins hitters, yada, 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 let's start Barrios in game one. Like I think that would be an insane call. Like you really do, you do have to go with your best guys. And like in one game, in two games, Sometimes it doesn't happen. Like, you know, is how many times has, you know, the the good players on the good teams that win, like how many times has Freddie Freeman gone 0 for 8 in a two-game span? Like it happens all the time. And this is not to say that this is a great performance from the Blue Jays. It's not to say that, you know, the Blue Jays are some amazing team and that we're the only ones brilliant enough to see it. Like I... <laughs> I do I do worry about that sort of tactile. I know that some of the stuff we're saying now, some of the stuff we will say later in this episode can turn people off potentially because they're feeling an emotional reaction to this team and they're feeling like this isn't it, this team is bad, and they're already not having fun. And I think there's plenty of time to not have fun if they don't lose if they don't win another game in the series. But I that's just not where I would be yet. Like I this performance did not make me think damn, the Blue Jays are out of their depth and they're not here to play and they're mentally broken and the Twins are going to roll over them. Like that, you know, hell, maybe Sonny Gray leads them to a win tomorrow. It would be very difficult for the Blue Jays to get a win here. Like they are in a hole. Um, but people are so quick on the trigger that like this team is bad. This team's always been bad. This team is done. And it just feels silly to me. Yeah, absolutely. Wrote a little bit about it this morning. Don't need to go over too much of that and too much of my petty gripes. I kind of got into it on the last pod as well. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, Gray is going to be very difficult. Um, but really, you think, I mean, the bullpen was great, again, as as they have been all year. Gosman, for his faults, you know, just one particularly bad pitch to Lewis. Um, you know, he had it, you know, he was, the command was off. He wasn't great. You know, they weren't biting on the splitter. There was a lot of problems with the with the outing. Uh, maybe out of his control, but ultimately, I mean, if they're picking up on his pitches, then it's not. Uh, but whatever it is, you know, he battled enough to keep them in the game. They went to the bullpen, got every, you know, lined that up very well, I thought, got the job done. I mean, it's obvious I don't want to be the person that I was criticizing earlier with regard to the, the at-bats. Like, you know, just because the results worked out doesn't mean the process was was ideal, but I didn't really have any problems with the way they did that. I mean, I know people will quibble about perhaps a pinch hit uh, situation, but for the most part, other than a couple of balls, finding gloves, that one finding the like not quite going over the wall. A couple, you know, a couple things here or there. The incident, um, there was the, it. It was a game that in another universe, in many of the multiple infinite universes, they will have won that game, which is like the worst <laughs> consolation, like no consolation whatsoever. But that's in a loss. That's kind of all you can hope for, I think. And it gives you hope that, you know, they can get it done again tomorrow and find a way to win. That's all they need to do. And then, you know, you got your coin flip game and then you can go from there. It's entirely possible. We look beyond this. It felt like that for about, you know, six, seven innings uh, last year after they lost game one and then uh, and then game two before that incident or <laughs> snowballing We're gonna have chain to of incidents. We're going to add numerals to these incidents, like in <laughs> incident <Yeah>. seven. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, they're still in a good spot, even though they're obviously in a tough spot because they got to win and Sonny Gray's been really good. So but, we'll see. I think he, you know, I don't think they'll we'll see as much hard contact. You know, I think they're going to have to be scratching and clawing a little bit more. They're going to have to be, uh, you know, as short with the leash with Barrios tomorrow as they were with Gosman today. Um, but that's that's going to happen over the course 
of a playoff run, whether that's a long run or not. So, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's an exciting. It's going to be an exciting game. It's going to be hopefully fun. And you know, I don't want the season to end, but uh, the the silver lining is that if it does, then some of these folks who are convinced this team has been clearly not good enough all along, they'll get to feel vindicated and then go and shut the fuck up for a while. That that is accurate. I do I do agree with you that I I thought the game was well managed. Like to be honest, from Schneider uh, in terms of the bullpen usage in particular, like I feel like the right levers were pulled. I felt like they went away from Gosman at kind of the right time. Um, you know, it, it was sort of uh, it was kind of clear that having him face the lineup another time was going to be an issue. They were already sort of, sort of on him. He had sort of escaped against the the bottom of that rotation uh bottom of the rotation bottom of the lineup i get so like the pinch hitting thing pinch hitting with merrifield um you could have gone to espinal potentially because he's been better recently you could have gone to davis schneider because he gives you a little bit more pop and he he walks more so he's someone maybe has a better shot of getting on base in theory um but yeah, I, I didn't have a huge like. I think the rationale was Merrifield is the type of guy we like leading off an inning with. He puts the ball in play. He's got a decent chance of making something happen. You know, he's a veteran. Whatever, he's a veteran. He doesn't, in theory, he'd be fine for these type of spots. Although he never really made the playoffs with the Royals, so I don't know if that's how the rationale behind <laughs> it. But there was just like there was outrage because he's been bad since the beginning of August, and I get that. Um, but ultimately, you know, he ends up with that walk. And yeah, I don't know. It just felt like, again, people have their idea going in about what kind of manager Schneider is. And I, I'm not one to defend Schneider in the sense that I'm not out here saying he's actively a good manager. I don't think there's evidence for that necessarily. But I don't think there's as much evidence that he's dreadful as people seem to think. And so I just think that when there's sort of a borderline call made, uh, people want to see it as a terrible call. And I, that's how I see it. I see it as a borderline call. Like, I think you can justify it in terms of have him being a type of guy you want to have lead off an inning. You can justify it in terms of wanting Davis Schneider potentially for that spot where a home run's all you've got. Like, we, we discussed that before as his potential role off the bench, like the, the Hail Mary guy. Uh, and I kind of like saving him for that moment when you're trailing, to be honest. Um, and you know, you could have brought him in for a guy, you know, a belt if they had a lefty or something didn't end up working out that way. Uh, you know, they left belt in and against the lefty and he never came back to the plate. But again, and sometimes in those spots, they didn't really have anything doing in that inning. So I get that too. I don't know. Like I, when I look at this game, it's hard for me to think, you know, whose fault this is John Schneider. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I completely agree. Uh, like the uh, something I saw online, you know, where people were talking about the Varsho splits against lefties, like which are actually better than Merrifield's, which is, you know, we're talking about a small sample here. And then also, as I pointed out there, but uh, you know, hopefully many listeners are not super tuned into whatever shit comes out of my Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> the, the fact that uh, Theobar is just so bad against uh, right handed hitters. So they needed a right handed bat in there. It wasn't, it was not a smart option to let Varsho hit. So. It needed to go to, to somebody off the bench. Uh, and that's where I wonder if anybody's ever thought about maybe having a big right-handed bat on the bench. I wonder if that's ever come up uh, at any point in the last year or so. Um, because that might not be a bad idea. That would have been a, a nice spot for someone like that. 
Yeah. And uh, no, I, I think that's a good point. When people talk about <laughs> splits, they often talk about just one side of it. But of course, there are two sides involved, right? Like it, it's also relevant how the pitcher is performed. Um, and all, and Varsho's success against lefties, not all of it, but some of it has really been the bunt situation. And the defense is just going to be so clued into that in a big spot like this. Like, I just don't think you're catching them unawares the way you might with a team in the middle of June in the seventh inning of a four-run game. Like, I haven't tracked how high leverage Varsho's bunt singles have been, but it wouldn't shock me if he's gotten away with a few of them at times in a game where the other team might be not be totally locked in. Mm -hmm. uh, and during a playoff game, they absolutely are going to be. So I... Yeah, I have no I, no problem with the idea of taking Varsho out of that game. Like you know, I said in our last podcast, I thought he had a role to play in this series, maybe disproportionate. That's not what happened today, although he made a nice catch to his credit. Um, sure, yeah. I, I think, you know, Kiermaier was good. I think that the – if you want to be really negative, so, so maybe we – you know, you could argue we've been a little bit too positive here. If you want to be really negative – what I would say is that I don't think Pablo Lopez pitched particularly well. Like he's got some nasty movements on some of his pitches, but he didn't strike a ton of guys out and he did give them pitches to hit and they didn't really execute. And that would be the thing that would be discouraging. It's like, oh, they, they actually, t they kind of got a shot at a guy you don't always get a shot at and they missed it. And like you said, tomorrow might be more them fighting and scraping because Sonny Gray might be a little bit sharper than Lopez was tonight. And so when you see them, you know, do not much against a guy. And, I, you know, it's not like he was a total bum out there. He wasn't feeding no. them like meatball <laughs> after meatball after meatball. But he wasn't, you know, he just wasn't the best version of himself. He wasn't dominant out there and in a way that Gray could potentially be. And so when you see them get opportunities and miss opportunities – and then the next day they're going to get lined up against a pitcher who could potentially give them very few opportunities. That is, that's the concerning thing. But I, I also think that's a baked in understanding of this team, right? Like this team, you know, it's the home run problem. They have not consistently punished mistakes. And that makes you concerned that when they come against guys who don't make any, they could have some issues at the same time, you know, I did a whole piece on the fact that against elite pitching, they were kind of what you would expect and it wasn't a huge thing. So you could get yourself worked out about the possibility of Gray truly shutting them down. Absolutely on the table. But I, you know, it, it like all this stuff, not a sure thing by any means. I can't, uh, can't disagree there. No, and, and yeah, that piece was good and, and I think would be illuminating for a lot of people who are, are certain that this is going to be uh, the doom of this team, which you know, what I mean, so then the baseball season. Also, are the are the Tampa Bay Rays like totally garbage? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I would say. I mean, they weren't great today. They weren't. No, but. I mean, there was that one play in the outfield that was truly absurd. But I'm just saying, like, you know, the the Rays lost four nothing today, um, and I don't think, like, I bet you, I, I don't know, I don't know if Rays fan Twitter exists, uh, but it didn't show up to the game apparently. No, I, to me, that's mean. I'm sure that there's probably more online fans than real fans. But what I'm saying is, like, I doubt that the fan base in, in Tampa Bay is saying, like, wow, this team is truly trash. I knew they were a bunch of losers. And I get it. I get that the context is different. But the result is the same. They lost a game. Similarly, the Rays lost a game. Arguably, the Rays lost a game in worse fashion, although I didn't watch every pitch of that game, so I can't tell you if there are mitigating factors the way that, say, that Chapman fly ball is a mitigating factor in this one. 
I don't know. And you know what? Like people are going to listen to this podcast and I think they're going to bounce off a lot of what we say that might sound positive. I don't know. Maybe they'll embrace it and it will bring some level of joy into their life. And it might be that 24 hours from now, anything we say here is, you know, you know, it's, I mean, it's going to be moot by definition, but it's going to be moot in the direction of the Blue Jays just got absolutely bounced and confirmed a lot of people's thoughts about them. But I don't know. I, I keep coming back to the thought that a lot of people believe that this performance means that they're toast. And I don't know. Like, it did, didn't a lot of people pick <laughs> the Blue Jays in three or even the Twins in three? Like, did everyone have this as a sweep for the Twins? Because it, does, it doesn't feel like a foregone conclusion, that's for sure. Well, and also there have been a multitude of performances across the season that have led people to believe that it indicates they're toast. The Texas Rangers series probably should have indicated that they were toast, but, but obviously didn't. Here we are. Um, you know, everyone's just been waiting for this excuse. It's, uh, I, d I don't need to psychoanalyze it any more than I... I mean, already have because uh, you know whatever, enjoy it however you want. It just it bugs me when it gets in, in in my face with everybody trying to just be as miserable as possible all the time, which is just not a not a way to to analyze anything. Frankly, I'm pretty um, curious to be honest as to what the vibe looks like. And maybe this is something we'll get to vibe check, but what the vibe <laughs> looks like in a world where they win the next game. Um, is there going to be room for hope for people or is it going to be, oh, great, they've just set us up for another level of heartbreak? Does not just winning a game matter? Because if they get bounced in the series in three or in two, I don't think there's a really fundamental difference with that. Um, I don't think winning a game matters that much, but does winning a game and having a chance to advance matter in at least a second like is there going to be room if this happens for that optimism because there's no reason there shouldn't be you know anyone can win a baseball game but it i don't know like i bet if they win on wednesday there'll be a lot of oh i don't i don't dare hope and you know a lot of that's toronto too like that goes beyond the blue jays like there's maple leaf stuff that feeds into that um you know yes uh, yes i've noticed it's a yeah it's a <laughs> you know it's a it's a cursed city i mean we all know that there's Rogers a one in 2019 yeah. i mean yeah cursed leaves don't bring that energy into the okay Jays, but that's fair too late the raptors yeah i mean don't don't take a vibe check on the raptors energy right now <laughs> not right not now great. no good lord um <laughs> <laughs> anyway but no you're, you're right what i think is going to be funny though or funny to me not funny to a lot of people which is why it's going to be funny to me is that they're probably not going to fundamentally change a ton about this team you know the over the over the winter you know if they do get bounced and people feel vindicated it's going to just be very funny that uh the, like the core isn't isn't going anywhere the big core change for me i think i mean i'm just assuming here it's speculating but like big core change was last year and they'll they'll have some money to play with but I don't know that there's going to be like major changes and I don't know the, you know, they're going to try to find some extra power. You know, Q Meyer is going to be gone. They're going to hopefully, you know, presumably look for someone who can like play left field or we'll see what happens at third base. Maybe that's, you know, one of the younger guys and we have a long time to talk about that, but I don't think that they, they're going to get too far away from the formula that they found this year because the formula is pretty good. If they, you know, if they had won more games in the first half when they weren't hitting with runners in scoring position, which is a thing that changed, which we should remember because that's, you know, that crutch is, is tired 
I know every time you see them not hitting runners in scoring position, it's like, oh, there's those Blue Jays again. It's always the same with this team. It hasn't been the same for three months or four or two months or whatever it's been. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, fundamentally not a very different team, which is good to me as someone who's like, yeah, you want a great bullpen and a great starting rotation and a little better hitting than they got this year, and you're fine. But um, the lack of <laughs> the lack of blood in the water next, you know, over the course of the offseason, I feel, uh, is just going to make things worse. Yeah, I sort of suspect that there's... Like one notable hitter to be added to the team, like in that after Chapman is gone, and so whether that is the corner outfielder or whether that whether that is the third baseman, uh, I sort of think that they'll sort out second base between Biggio and Schneider and maybe Espinal, whatever. Vladdy um, at DH more often, potentially. <laughs> um, I, I think there's sort of yeah, like one guy, and it's like, does the fan base like that one guy? Because that'll be that's that'll be sort of what it comes. Maybe I don't know. Maybe there's two, but it just feels in terms of the amount of money coming off the books and what guys are going to cost, um, and maybe they increase the the payroll. But coming off this wild card loss, it'd be hard to sort of push in and be like, "You got to give us a ton more money." Uh, this is a great program. We've been worse and worse every year for th- <laughs> for two years. Uh, it'd be, I, don't know, I don't know. I mean, Shapiro seems to sell pretty well to uh, to the Rogers ownership in terms of getting money. You got to give him credit for that. But this is all extremely big picture. I think I think we can uh, we can leave it there uh, and focus on the small picture tonight. And we will be with you again. Shortly, perhaps we'll be discussing the end of the Toronto Blue Jays season. Perhaps we'll be discussing a a winner-take-all match. Whatever the case may be, uh, we're going to keep, you know, I guess on on Twitter and whatnot, letting you know when we'll be coming to you. Uh, And we hope that you'll continue to join us as long as this lasts, which is a sentence um, with a lot of variability baked into it. Because as long as this lasts, could be less than 24 hours could be weeks so that that's the kind of uncertainty we're living in enjoy everybody